When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. The expression from the music inspired me so much to take risks and it inspired damn near the whole rap game. Hello again, I'm Adam Unz. You may know me as the host of The Opus, and now I'm bringing my own show, The Spark Parade, to the Consequence Podcast Network. I speak with artists and creatives about the cultural artifacts that spark their personal interest and creativity, whether it's music, books, movies, video games, or any other kind of art. I've never spoke about it in this amount of detail. I'm suddenly going, oh my God, I'm blowing my own mind here, Christ. It's, it's actually a giant part of my life. By talking about the things we love, we share and discover insights into our personality and the things that drive us. It's just magic, really. I mean, frustrating and it makes some people angry, but I don't think anyone's ever done anything like it. I speak with people like Connor Robers, Phoenix's Thomas Mars, Chris Gethard, Helen Hong, Adrian Young, and more, so their sparks of inspiration can start a fire in you. I'm grateful for those who continue to put our history and who we are as a people in the forefront and make you see it. Find the Spark Parade wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Welcome, everybody. I'm David Frangioni here with Billy Amendola and our pop-up podcast. What a special one we have as we end 2020. The one and only Greg Bissonette and David Garfield. Welcome, guys. Yeah, nice. Nice to have you guys. Thank you. Great to be here. We're going to kick off 2021 with the premiere of a song that you guys uh, involved in and uh, a remake of Strawberry Fields Forever. So before we premiere it, tell us, Mr. Garfield, how did that all come about? Well, you know, there's a lot of history here uh, that we need to say, um, you know, being in LA all these years and Greg came in to town. I remember when he first came to town and we, we started to become friends and playing together in different bands and you know, doing all kinds of recording together and gigs and touring. And then over this period of time, I found out what a tremendous fan of the Beatles he was, you know, which of course I was as well. So that was something we shared. And then at some point in time, I decided I was going to go in and record a bunch of stuff with what I considered to be my A band at the time. And it was, we, we were playing around a lot. It was Greg, John Pena, Michael Landau, and Luis Conte. And so I booked some time and we went down the studio and recorded a bunch of songs. And this was one of the tracks we did, you know, and it was left in the can for quite a long time. We never finished it, but it was always um, something that Greg and I loved. The Strawberry Fields done in kind of like what we would call bottom 40 style or David Garfield style, you know, not typical different chord changes, different rhythms. So that's kind of the genesis of it. Bottom out. refers to the opposite of top 40. We're just playing and going for it. And just all uh, rules are out and we're just going for it hard. So we, David coined that phrase many years ago, bottom 40. <laughs> bottom 40. Well, it, it came out great. I, I know I, I got a couple of versions of it. We're going to premiere the version that uh, David Phillips um, does the vocals, the lead vocals. Oh, cool. Cool. That's the one we're going to premiere. And um, he was in a band called the Automatics, correct? Yes. He's a quite an interesting character 
that I've gotten to know. And um, he has amazing history going into the early days in England. And uh, some of the guys that came up with him, there was a particular guy, Steve Lillywhite, who became a big producer, used to be the T-boy in the studio. And, and the, all the stories and the wisdom, he's a, a good friend and collaborator. So yeah, we brought him in to sing this, which was a little bit of a stretch for us because he's from the punk world. Hmm. And, um, you know, and then there's Will Lee and they're doing quite a bit of vocaling. Right. And that's that New York thing, you know. And, he's, a, uh, he's a New York punk. <laughs> How about his Beatle band, huh? Man, yeah, I remember fab, David, you David, you took Will to Cafe Cordial to hear our band, The Lads, and Four Will bands from the Valley. started something like this in New York, and then the Fab Foe, and they lapped us. <laughs> No, the inspiration for the Fab Faux was seeing Greg play with his brother Matt and Brett Duggle at Cafe Cordial doing what they called Four Lads from the Valley. Yeah. <laughs> Four Lads from the Valley. I like that. Well, yeah, what year was that? That would have been, what, like 93, David? What do you think? Um, 95? Four Lads would have been, yeah, mid 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Mid to late nineties, probably. Well, David, you've been uh, David Garfield. You've been a, a champion for drummers because you always. I mean, I know I've seen you and Greg probably. Oh my God, I, I sat one time at a show with with Greg's dad and watched you guys perform. It had to be thirty years ago at one of the Nam shows, and you've been such a a great cheerleader for drummers. You always have the best drummers and. I know we've covered you before and, and, and spoke about so many drummers, but I know you and Greg have a very special bond. Well, if I could sneak in about one of the first albums that I, with speaking of Will Lee and David Garfield, man, Jeff Percaro, Carlos Vega, and Vinnie Caliuta, Will Lee playing bass, Steve Lukather on guitar, David Garfield. Oh man, what a band and, and wow. There's a Will Lee connection that goes way back. What a great bass player and great singer and David Garfield band. Yeah, I, I, I spoke to Will this morning. Uh, he's in France. He's been in France quarantined since this whole thing started. With Sandrine. Yeah. Sandrine. Yeah. He's having a great time over there. The, you know, the, what Greg, Greg's talking about is the Los Lobotomies record which was in 89, but Greg and I started playing together in 84 um, before I ever met Will. I mean, oh. you know, 84 at the Baked Potato, it was John Patitucci, Greg, me, Brandon Fields, and Walt Fowler. Wow. A lot of people know Walt because he's been in the Steve Gadd band, but he's been around for a long time. We were all buds. We used to go to Brandon's apart, uh, guest house afterwards and make tuna melts. I mean, we were young and we were crazy, but we loved music. And Patitucci was living at his parents' house. He hadn't yet joined Chick. And, um, you know, he was, he was a quite of a talent, too. And him and Greg, you know, it was really cool, you know. The first time I met Chick, David, was, was at Dave Weckl's wedding. And John introduced me to Chick as the guy with David Garfield that played on his demo tapes from The Baked Potato. Because he wanted to be in the electric band and the acoustic band. He's playing upright and electric. He said, those are my tapes I sent you to get the gig. Really? Yeah. And Chick said, wow, yeah, those tapes were great. So Chick was, Chick was uh, digging on the, 
the David Garfield band and the Brandon Fields band back. And then I remember Brandon doing his album and all of us together with Alan Hirschberg. And what a history. It was a time in LA where all the studios were up and running and people were doing sessions. And to tell you an interesting story, John Guerin, who was one of the guys I looked up to and never got to know until the end, then we became friends. And at the end of his life, when he was a medical, you know, he had sitting, he had to stay home a lot and I'd visit him, he'd be on oxygen, he'd tell me stories. But in LA, there was a situation with three slots of sessions and the Tonight Show fell right in the middle of two of them. So the Tonight Show was considered not a good gig. He would never do the Tonight Show because there was like a 10 to one and there was a two to five and then there was like a seven to 10. And so this, the, the happening guys were running from session to session. And then when Greg came to town, he was a new guy. I mean, Vinny had been established. Uh, Carlos had been established, Jeff Beccaro. There was a guy, Mike Baird. There was Ed Green. There was lots of, uh, uh, Rick Murata. There were all these, you know, guys, titans of the studios. Of course, Keltner and Al Blaine was still there. Greg came right on the scene, you know. Oh. Greg, Greg, what year, what year was that that you got to California? I moved here in 82. I graduated North Texas. I'm from Detroit. I went to college at North Texas, did the one o'clock band, got a music ed degree, came out here because I told the teachers at North Texas, I want to move to LA and be a recording session touring drummer. And they said, you know, not being recording session touring drummers, these teachers said, you can't do that. You can't be a recording session and touring drummer. I said, sure you can. Look at Jeff Ricaro. Look at this new guy, Vinny Caliuta. Look at the guy from New York, Steve Gadd. He sure records a lot and tours a lot. So I moved out and I remember doing a, uh, a jingle for a producer named Les Hooper at a studio called Ocean Way. And the sax player was Brandon Fields. And I thought, man, this guy sounds great. We should jam together. And he said, yeah, how about tomorrow at my house? And that's when I met David Garfield and we played and we started working on a song called The Brain Dance. And they, I did a thing that was in three on the cowbell. And David was the one that said, yeah, you should do that. One, two, three. And David was so supportive. And he goes, I like that. Let's groove on that. And David made me feel so comfortable. Then we ended up doing that album. And then tons of other gigs and albums with David. And, and, and this group of great players that I, kind of the baked potato scene. Right, Dave? Yeah. yeah. Family. It was a group. You know, those, were, those were the days, that's for sure. Greg, where's Mandy yeah. Ferguson's gig in this time frame? Yeah, so then uh, about oh, six months later, my brother was already with Maynard Ferguson, Matt, the bass player. And so he kept putting my name in the hat. And then I, I ended up leaving LA for about a year, for exactly one year from September of 82, I think till about June of 83 and that was Maynard Ferguson's band and we went on to do an album called Live in San Francisco. I was always that was my prayer as a kid. I want to play in Maynard's band and of course they had Randy Jones, Danny D'Imperio, Peter Erskine, so many great drummers and then I ended up getting the gig uh, through nepotism with my brother Matt. Nepotism is alive in our family. <laughs> and, well, then when did, and then David Lee Roth was right after that? Well, not right after that. That was 83. And then, um, you know, 83. And then the, the 1984 album came out and Dave was still in Van Halen. 
And then I remember doing an audition. I was just auditioning like crazy for Vinnie Vincent, the guitar player in Kiss. And he said, well, we already have a drummer. I just wanted to have you come down anyway, but you'd be good for Dave Roth's band. I said, who's Dave Roth? David Lee Roth, he's in Van Halen. No, he just quit and he hired Billy Sheehan on bass. They just got Steve Vai on guitar. Call Steve, you can do an audition. And that was uh, October of 85. Wow. That whole era, I watched it go down. Greg came off the road with Maynard. He showed up at the baked potato one night when we were playing. First time I saw him. And then when Carlos was with us, and then he showed up in the Brandon rehearsal. We started playing together. And then after the Brandon thing, he got the thing with David Lee Roth. And I remember, oh, my God, look who's there. So look anyway. who surprised us. Just talking about you, man. Yes, David Lee Roth here at your Oh, I'm sorry. Real Lee, we were just talking about you, man, and, and saying about the days with the, you and Carlos and Jeff and Vinny on the album there. Oh, how are well, you? Great, man. I was invited by Billy to, to sneak up on you guys today. <laughs> Thank you, Will. Thank Welcome you. Well, good Speaking to see you. up behind you. I love you. Love you too, man. Thanks. It's great to see everybody. Go ahead. I didn't want to interrupt. I, just, I wanted to just jump so, in and hear so what he did oh. the David Lee Roth thing. And then he even tried to get me on that. I had an audition for that. Right. And there, and I didn't sing. So that you didn't sing of, high enough. You can sing, but just not high enough. I can sing one note, you know. Well, are you in France? Yes. We oui. right. oui, monsieur. Yes. For those of you uh, that have been living under a rock for probably the last 50 years, this is the great Will Lee from ah, David Letterman, of course, and right. countless amount of records and sessions, which we were talking about right before you popped on. We were. Well, How's Sandri? How's and Sandri? about the Fab Fall, of course. She's great. So, speaking of the Fab Fall, let's talk about Strawberry Fields. And great David Garfield production and arrangement. Yep. And you participated by doing some vocals, correct? Well, you know, man, we were in the studio working on a, a couple pieces, right, Dave? And uh, it, it was almost like a last minute thing, if I remember. It was like we, we had done like a, a kind of a long day. And Dave said, hey, we want to do some, some singing on this track. And I'm like, wow, it sounds so complete. And, and I just had, we kind of had to come up with some sort of like the, the bass was already complete. There was John Pena and the great Jimmy Johnson playing fretless and this gorgeous vocal by, by a guy named something, Philip, what was it? David, uh, David Phillips. David, David Phillips. David Phillips. Oh, Phil. Phil. Had an amazing, amazing vibe, you know, and it was just like a, it was very psychedelic. I mean, I got a contact low just from hanging around these guys. But uh, I was, uh, I got high for the first time in 35 years just listening to this track, and it was like really like Acid City, and it was so, it was such a, such a mood that it inspired me, you know, came up with a few ad libs and a couple of things and, and Preach was kind enough to, to give me the encouragement to keep going. So I kept going and, uh, you know, it didn't really, it was just a, a texture, a vocal texture thing. Well, as you're, as you're going to hear, David did a fantastic job with that because as we all know, covering the Beatles is not an easy thing, but this is slightly different and still familiar and there's some great playing on it and great singing, great vocals. I know there's, there's an instrumental track that's pretty cool. And Greg does some, some little 
tidbits here and there that I don't want to give away. We'll see if you can hear them and guess them in there. But there's a couple of fills that Greg does that I, I'm really curious what Ringo's going to say when he hears those. <laughs> uh, you, I, that's a, that one fill I think you're talking about. I learned from Gary Novak. And, and I heard him do it, and I said, that's the Vinny Phil. And then I asked Vinny, and he said, and Steve Smith, and they said, we did that at Berkeley, because that's the Tony Williams Phil. And now people call it the Blushta. I use it like once or twice with the Ringo tour, like maybe on Black Magic Woman um, a couple times there. But yeah, it, it probably isn't like- Can you sing that, Phil? What is it? What are we it's talking called, about? They call it a Blushta now. It's a, a left flam, but I because since we have so many drummers in the audience, a, a left flam, but up, and then a right, right, left. But up, dee, dee, da. Ba, ba, ba. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> that sounded better, yes. All right. A lot more Fetchy. clarity and definition. Yes. <laughs> now I get it. Yeah. <laughs> So, it's, Dave, the blood so, uh, so David, Goff, Mr. Garfield, tell us the process of how the actual, like, did you send tracks to everybody? Was some of this, like, what was the process? So once we did the rhythm track, the first thing that happened was the engineer that cut it had been our second engineer for all of our projects, and he'd been dying to be first engineer. And so I finally had this date, and I said, you be the first engineer. We were all set up in this room, and... It turned out that where Luis was with relation to Greg, that the percussion tracks became like room, drum room tracks. It was a fiasco and he was like suicidal. I had to talk him off the ledge. It was this big day for him. And then he was like, so bummed. I said, look, we'll work it out. We'll work it out. He goes, no, 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 it's horrible. But what we figured out is if we got rid of the percussion tracks, it didn't mess up the drum tracks. So that's that was the first thing we did. And then it sat in a can for years. And then we finally pulled it out and said, well, what are we going to do with it? And we started uh, experimenting. You know, we did that instrumental version first. And we had Jimmy Johnson play the melody on the fretless bass. And then um, Larry Klimas played the sax part. And then it needed some more guitars. So we had Mike Miller came in and he played some acoustic guitars and he played those great grungy guitars, which I love. It's my favorite part. And then later down the road, uh, when I started working with Alex Ledgerwood, he wanted to sing a version of it. So we did, a, we had Alex come in and sing and then we did that whole version, which is also on the single. All three versions are on the single. And then down the road after that, I there were some things I wanted to try differently. And then I discovered that there was missing footage that had been lost. And I, I drug out the tracks and I did about a half minute more of Landau's solo at the end, which was brilliant shit that we didn't even know we had it. It was missing for all these years. So when David wanted to sing it, David and Philip wanted to try it and it sounded like a good fit. And so all these different versions of it in different mixes, you know, each one's mixed by a different person. Um, Alex's version is mixed by Ross Hogarth, who is a great, you know, Grammy winning engineer and everything. Wow. But then the, the version we did with David Phelps is my favorite. And then that's when we got Will involved because we said like, you know, we have to have Will involved in the Beatles song, oh, kind of like a law of nature. <laughs> and and he he came up with these parts 
in between the other parts that were so cool. And you were channeling, Will, I remember. I'm from Liverpool, Texas, by the way. That's where that logic came in. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. You were you were channeling. And um, it, it so felt, when we put, we put that whole last version together, I went into the, um, I went into Capitol, I recut the piano with the piano and um, we, we got all Will's vocals in there and we've got the missing footage and we put it all together and Steve Sykes mixed it, who's one oh, of my main engineers. Where was but, that first session, Dave? Was that Mad Hatter? Yeah, we recorded it at Mad Hatter. Uh, it, came out, it came out fantastic. Well, um, as you're gonna hear as we premiere it today and start off the new year with Strawberry Fields Forever by David Garfield and of course, Greg, Dave Philp, not Phillips, Will Lee, Mike Landau, John Penyon bass, and um, you're in for a treat. So let's take a listen. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you. Thank you.
Happy New Year, everyone. This is the latest issue, January 2021. Let's hope it's a good one. And we've been getting a lot of calls and emails asking where you can get it. And since the pandemic, there's been a couple of mishaps, right, David? Well, the, the biggest thing is that uh, the post office is extraordinarily slow right now. It's been for a while, actually, most of 2020, but in around December, uh, it's gotten worse. And it said, and we're hearing that it's going to stay worse for a while. So, um, you know, subscribing is always still the best bet. It's the fastest way. Plus, you get instant access online while you're waiting for the issue to arrive. If there's any mishaps with the USPS uh, and the like, you can read it online. So thank you everybody for being with us throughout 2020 and staying loyal and being part of the Modern Drummer family. We couldn't have done it without you and we're eternally grateful. We've got a lot of great things planned for 2021 for the drumming community. And happy new year to you, Billy. Uh, Happy New Year to you, David, Ricardo, and everybody on the team. Let's hope it's a good one. Without any fear. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.